The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for your word, and thank you for these promises you make in your word. Help uh, us hear these promises, help them sink deep into our hearts, and um, may we just glorify you with our study today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Victoria. All right, good morning. How is everybody? Good? All right. Well, we're going to be continuing our series called I Am Believing That Jesus Is Enough. And uh, last week, my friend Jonathan from Redeemer and Encinitas came, and he shared about how Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through me. And so we talked last week about Jesus says, I am the way. And uh, if you weren't able to be here last week, I would encourage you to go online, check it out. We've got it on podcasts, all that. Uh, but this week, our message is going to be uh, from John 14, 1 through 3, which he preached on last week. But we're going to really stick in this little section and talk about how Jesus is our eternal home. Jesus is our eternal home. Um, today's text, Jesus helps us to imagine beyond what we can see. And when I say the word home, what do you think of? What do you picture? Do you think of safety? You think of security? You think of comfort? Maybe you think of the American dream? You know, the, the house, white picket fence. I was sitting recently with one of my friends who lives in our neighborhood here, and we were just chatting about his neighborhood, where he lives. And he looked around and he said, Randall, th this is an amazing place where I live. He says, but um, they're renters, they're renters, they're renters, we're renters. We all rent here. But our dream is that we could buy. That we could buy and live here permanently. That's our dream. Why would that be a dream? Because deep down, don't we all want a sense of community, of home, of family, of permanence, that we're, we're here? We're not going to get kicked out tomorrow, but we're here. Where's home for you? Home has been defined as a permanent residence, especially as a member of a family or household. And that's why in 2015, Americans spent $98.6 million on traveling for the holidays. We all want home, right? But what happens when the foundations of home are rocked? In the 2015 movie, The Big Short, it was based on the housing market crash that happened in 2008. And when I even mention the housing crash of 2008, you know, the market crashing, it just makes us squirm, right? Some of us made decisions during that time, and we think back, we say, I just wish I didn't make that type of decision. 
And one of the most disturbing scenes for me as I was watching the movie, and I, I really had to turn it off afterwards because, I, man, this is, this, this is tough. To see the greed, to see what people went through and are still going through. Uh, there was this dad, and he opens up the door, and, and, and a guy comes to his house and says, hey, do you, do you know the owner? He says, yeah. He says, do you know who the, the mortgage's name is under for this home? And he shared it, and he says, that's my owner's dog. And in that moment, this guy who's a renter realized that, um, you know, the payments that he'd been paying weren't going towards uh, the loan. And he found out that his owner was 90 days late on payments for the house and wasn't able to make the house payments. And he says, I've been paying every month. I've been paying every month. And you can see his family come up next to him. And he's saying, are they going to kick me out? What's going to happen? You know, this is reality for people. And so with all of our dreams, with all of our aspirations, have we gotten the message? Have we gotten the message that security in this world is truly not found? It's not permanent. That's why Jesus says in, in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In today's text, Jesus is helping us to reimagine the word home. And he wants to give this invitation to not just some of us, but all of us. See, it's not a temporal place, but an eternal one. And so our text today is John 14, 1 through 3. And uh, we ask, well, what's happening in this passage because there's a lot of tension, right, in this passage as Jesus is telling his disciples, don't be troubled. So what's happening? Commentator D.A. Car Carson captures it perfectly. He says, it is Jesus who is heading for the agony of the cross. It is Jesus who is deeply troubled in heart and spirit. Yet on this night of nights, when of all times, it would have been appropriate for Jesus' followers to lend him emotional and spiritual support. He is still the one who gives, comforts, instructs, for they too are troubled. You see, Jesus is in the midst of going to the cross. People that he loves are going to betray him. Yet his concern is for his disciples. And he looks at them and says, let your heart not be troubled. Jesus' love is for them. And so how does Jesus address his disciples in the midst of their trouble? Well, he gives them three gifts. And I want to give you all three gifts up front, and we're going to break it down from the text today. And so the first one is a loving response, the gift of a loving response, a better place, a forever home. A loving response, a better place, a forever home. And so the first one, a loving response. Let's look at verse one. Verse one says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. What's Jesus saying? 
Jesus knew something that his disciples didn't. Jesus knew the trouble that they were about to face, the failure they would endure, the confusion and uncertainty that was surely coming their way. He knew the life that they would live and eventually that they would die. What were his disciples about to face? Well, just some of the names of the people that were sitting right there in that circle as Jesus gathered his friends together. Tradition says this about Andrew. Andrew went to what was called the land of the man-eaters, in which that time was the Soviet Union, or now is the Soviet Union. He preached in Asia Minor, modern Turkey, and in Greece, where he was said to have been crucified later. Doubting Thomas, who was sitting in that circle, Tradition has him preaching as far east as India, where they claim that he died when four soldiers speared him through. James, the son of Alphaeus, which is sitting right there, uh, one of the least known disciples. Um, Jewish historian Josephus reported that he was stoned and then clubbed to death. Simon the Zealot ministered in Persia and was killed after refusing to sacrifice to the sun god. Tradition says that Peter, who boldly claimed before um, in the previous chapter, he says, I'm gonna, I would die for you now, Jesus, but later betray him, says that Peter was crucified upside down at his request since he did not feel he was worthy to die in the same manner as his Lord Jesus. See, do you see the importance of what Jesus is addressing here for his disciples? Trouble was coming. And it was important that he told them really the true way. And so he gave them a loving response. See, Jesus looks at them and says, see, I know you're troubled. I see it. But I also know what's coming. And I want you to to, to point you to the only one that can get you through the pain of this world. God. God. So Do you hear Jesus saying to you today, whatever trouble that you might be facing, believe in God, believe also in me. The word for believe is the word pastuo, and it's been translated also as trust. Trust. Trust God, trust also in me. And and, and the way that it's, laid out here, they don't know if it's an imperative or indicative, and so it's kind of like this mixed thing, and so it's this continuous thing of trusting, believing and and continually trusting in God. It's not just a one-time thing, but it's a continual thing that that happens throughout our lives, and so as Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you trust God? Right, like some of us in here today, we say, yeah, I trust God. You know, God's going to get me through. That's good. But it happens, not just one time, but continual decisions throughout the day. God, I trust you. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I trust you. Jesus says, you trust God? The way that you say you trust God, he says, trust also in me. Jesus is saying this. I'm not just a man that's here teaching you good teachings to follow. I am God. 
I'm God. You say you trust God, trust in me. I am God. Jesus is God. Trust in me like that. See, just like we talked about before, I mean, Peter had just declared that he was ready to die for Jesus. But we find out later he wasn't. See, what Peter trusted in at that moment was himself, his ability, his strength. Jesus, I could do this. I can die for you. But what we find out is that he wasn't ready. And Jesus, in that moment, was lovingly pointing him away from himself and pointing him to God. He said, you don't have what it takes, Peter, but God loves you. God is here for you. And so he didn't just say it, but he shows it. See, because as Jesus is pointing Peter and his disciples away from themselves and on to God, what they'll see next is going to be Jesus' death that's going to make all things right. It's going to be Jesus going first. It's going to be Jesus making the sacrifice. It's Jesus preparing the way. We talk about preparing the way to, to the Father. See, it's the simple gospel message. It's not do you believe in yourself. It's do you believe in Jesus. See, where is your trust right now? in yourself, in your circumstances, right? Everything's okay in my bank account, and so that means I'm all right in our home, what we can do. What we'll find is that all of those things will fall short. It will. And the most loving response we can ever receive is to be directed to God as the answer to all of our troubles in life. See, it's not this cliche thing, but it's true. He's there in the midst of all of our struggles, even in our lowest moments, even when we feel like we're a failure and we've made the mistakes because Jesus' disciples are about to make some big blunders, but he still loves them. A loving response is what they needed more than anything. So do you believe in Jesus? The second point is, it's not only a loving response, but he gives them a better place, a better place. Look at verse two. It says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that? I go to prepare a place for you? Here's what Jesus knows. Jesus knows that all of us need a place. We all need a place. You see, why is homelessness so damaging to the human psyche? Why is it so damaging to the identity of an individual? Because we weren't made to be homeless. We all need a place. In 2015, Deepa Fernandez wrote an article about child homelessness in L.A. called How Homelessness Impacts the Very Youngest in Shelters and Schools. And she interviewed a teacher named Yanira Rodriguez. And during her time, Rodriguez had seen her share of homeless students. And here's what she says. Parents don't have a job, so they move to Auntie 
Auntie gets tired of the child, so they move to grandma. Grandma gets tired, so they move to uncle. Uncle gets tired, so they move to sister. In Los Angeles County, 82% of homeless children live this way, according to the county's Office of Education. And listen to what Ms. Rodriguez says. She says, anytime a child is moved, it can feel to that child like a death because it's so traumatic. She has seen how homelessness impacts the children in the classroom. Here's what she says. It, it makes it hard for those children to make connections with other children because they're not worried about, are you going to play with me? They're worried about, where am I going to sleep tonight? Jesus knows we all need a place. We all need a home. And that's what he describes as a home, right? He says, Two things. My father's house has many rooms. And so in Christianity, we don't find a distant God that, that says, figure it out. But what we find is a father. See, when Jesus talks about God, he talks about him in family terms. And, and it's an invitation to any of us that say, well, maybe I have a father. Maybe I, I don't have a father. But in God, all of us can have a father, a relationship that we've all been looking for and longing for all of our lives. But then Jesus doesn't just leave it there, but he says there are many rooms in my father's house. You ever had your own room before? It's great, isn't it? I mean, right now, my son is living it up because he finally has a room apart from his sisters. He's like, I could decorate it any way I want it to be decorated. It's, it's my space. And what Jesus is saying is that same thing is true in my father's house. There's a space for you uniquely for you. See, in other religions, it says that you don't find your identity, you lose your identity into the, the oversoul or something that happens out in space where you just kind of go into energy. You just evaporate. But in Christianity, it says, no, you become more of who you were made to be, who God created you to be. He gives you an identity above any identity that you've had here. It's a place where you're fully loved and known. See, Christianity, the message of Christ, understands that we need a relationship. And we need to know that we are unique, each of us, individually. And you get that in Christ. See, before his uh, conversion to Christianity, early church father Augustine, uh, his mother, Monica, would pray for him. She wept over his soul, just praying that he would really, really, really know God. See, he was off living really a licentious life, just doing whatever he wanted to do. 
And God saved him. And he shares in his confessions, he says, you know, his mom was praying and got this vision that her son was going to be okay. And here's what Augustine says. He says, how could this vision come to her unless, talking to God, your ears were close to her heart? You are good and all-powerful, caring for each one of us as though the only one in your care. Could you believe that there's a God that doesn't just see the crowd, but he sees the individual? He sees you. He sees what you're going through. And he says, I care. This is like revolutionary because what this is, is out of all the people that are children of God, he could, he, he could have the capacity to look at you and me like we're an only child. That he would treat us like that. That he would give us that type of attention. That's why Augustine was just so blown away because what he says is that she, she just experienced the love of a father that listens and cares intently for his children. And Jesus describes a place like that where you and I can be fully known, fully ourselves, fully loved, fully embraced. Man, is that a better place? Is that a better place? Because thirdly, what he, what he says is a forever, this is a forever home. It's a forever home. Look at verse three. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. This is the picture. It's a family table. It's a family table. You know, you, th you think about this like you walk in and you're not just another face of a person that walks in, but everybody that's around that table stands up and calls your name and says, oh, I am so glad that you're here. How are you doing? And they come and they greet you and they come and they bring you around to your seat at the table. They say, I've been waiting for you, for you to come. And you don't have to do that weird thing where you're like, well, I gotta prove myself to be here. I gotta earn my way to be here. I gotta act a certain way. I can't be open and express what I really feel. but it's a place where you're fully known and loved and your favorite meal is right in front of you and everybody is so excited that you're there. And it doesn't end. See, for many of us, that's why we travel back home for the holidays and do all that, isn't it? It's, it's we're trying to relive maybe a memory that we have in the past, but as we start to search through that past and we start to look back and say, I just want to go there. I want to be there. We think, I guess it wasn't as good as I thought it was as you start to explore a little bit more. 
See, Jesus knows that no matter how good our home is here, it won't last. And I was on a recent trip um, visiting with my dad. And my dad's family um, really, really were and, and still are just incredible people. Um, my grandfather grew up in a small town, Ferndale, California. It's just a farming town. And my grandmother is from Eureka. And they ended up uh, living in San Jose, getting married, living in San Jose. My dad uh, and his uh, siblings had really a, a picturesque family situation. And I was talking recently with my dad's cousin. And he looked at me, he said, Randall, has your dad ever told you about the houses that they had growing up. It's like, no, he really he hasn't told me much about that. He said, you should have seen it. I mean, he lived a couple doors down. My dad's cousin did. He's like, you should have seen it. It's amazing. He's like, your dad. Like, okay, so when you walked in, there was a pool out in the front yard. All the friends, neighbors, people would come over and they would, they would jump in the pool. It was great. And your dad, he had like this separate room from the house where he, he, that's where he got to live. He got to live in his own house apart from the house. He said, and then their, their dog, Patty. Patty was amazing. Just like the best dog and it was, it was so much fun. And he was telling me all these stories. And it was, it was awesome just hearing about the life that my dad had with his family. But you see, I did my grandparents' funeral two years ago. With all the great things that they had, with the great life that they had. It's all a distant memory. See, at some point, me and my family would love to venture up the coast and just see where my grandfather, we've been there before, but just again, just to see it. Where my family grew up, but it will never be the same. My grandparents aren't gonna be there. The old house is just going to be the old house with a new family living there. See, that place that we love so much that's only in my mind, it's a place that's gone. It's in the past. See, but what Jesus describes is a home that will never fade away. It will never be a distant memory. It'll only get better and better. That's what he describes. And the cool part is, he says, I'm going to take you there. I'm going to take you there. He says, I'm going to take you to myself. You see, the relationship that we've longed for all of our life is Jesus Christ. I mean, you might be new today. You might not even know who Jesus is. But he's the one that you've been longing for. And Jesus is saying that right here, that, you know what, I, I'm not just going to leave you out there, but I'm going to come get you. 
I want to bring you with me. And so here are some takeaways today that really can help this apply to our hearts as we process it all. And so because we have Jesus, the first takeaway is we have a courage to face trouble. A courage to face trouble. See, why do we get so troubled in life? Because trouble comes at us all the time, doesn't it? There's moments where we're afraid, where we're sad, where we're discouraged. But what we have in the gospel is this. The good news of Jesus, what he gives us. He says, you have a place with me that you can never lose. You have an identity that is secure and you're a part of the family. And you have a forever home where you're never going to have to worry about getting kicked out. And you know what? You came in with a debt, but it's been paid. It's been paid for. And he says, I'll always be with you. When Jesus says, really, let your hearts not be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me, he's saying, do you believe that I'm with you? every moment of every day? Do you believe that my presence through the difficulties is enough? See, because in many ways, instead of treating God as our Father, we treat Him like a landlord. We look at God and we say, okay, God, I I get it, but what do I have to do to get your love today? What do I have to earn to pay you back? And we come to God like a landlord. Okay, how do I pay off that next payment? And he says, no, it was already paid for. It's done. Well, well, God, I don't know, like, are you gonna kick me out of the family now? Because you know that thing that I did last night, last week, whatever, like, No, I told you it was, I relate to you through grace, not through your performance. You serious? You still love me? Yeah. Father-child relationship. Not a landlord. And see, when we start to process that and really think through that and say, wow, God loves me like that, and we see the payment that he's made for us. Because if I were to give you this illustration, if, if today somebody were to say, hey, I want to pay your phone bill for you. You say, well, thanks. That's pretty cool. I appreciate it. You write them a nice little thank you note and you just kind of go on your way, right? That was really nice of them. But if somebody came to you today and said, I'm going to pay off all of your school loan. I'm going to pay off your house. Everything. You're going to treat that person a little bit different, right? (laughs) Say, hold on, hold on. Cell phone guy? Great, thank you. Hold on, you're paying off my house? You're paying off my school loan? What? What? That's insane. 
And we don't realize that this is what God's done for us. And when you know he's done this for you, you can face all the little troubles in the world because they will come at you. How do we treat God? The Father who's paid it all? Or just somebody who's done a nice thing for us? And yeah, I appreciate it. Because if we treat him like that, we will get rocked by troubles in this world. We will. No, he's, he's paid at infinite cost to himself the debt that we all owed. And it gives us a courage to face the little troubles that we'll get through life. The second is an ability to make the most of today. An ability to make the most of today. What happens when you believe that earthly homes are temporary? When all this stuff is temporary? temporary? You use everything for the glory of God, right? It's like it's all God's. I want to use it for God. I want to be generous with my life. I want to give everything I have because God gave it to me. And, and this, I, I came across this psalm this week as I was going through, just studying through the psalms, reading, meditating, and, and I want to read this. This is the, the psalmist in Psalm 39, verses four through seven. Here's what it says. O Lord, make me know my end. And what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in or surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps on wealth and does not know who will gather. And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. My hope is in you. The psalmist knows, and I've been really, really working through this, like all this stuff doesn't last. Okay, Lord, Help me know that my days are fleeting. When you know that, when you put this in your mind, you say, okay, the only thing that lasts is what God does in this life. You'll make the most of today. You'll realize that today is a beautiful gift from him. Say, Lord, how do I live to your glory today? And the last takeaway is a freedom to trust there is more. A freedom to trust there is more. So does knowing all of this make us mope around everywhere? Oh, man, this stinks. I can't own anything. Doesn't matter. It's all going to burn up anyway. No. No. It frees us to see things as they really are. Right? It's not our hope, but it also gives us the freedom to enjoy it and that it's a gift from God. It's a gift from Him. And we get to use it, but it's not our home. It's not our home. You know, uh, C.S. Lewis really captures this in this quote. He says, The settled happiness and security which we all desire, God withholds from us by the very nature of the world. <laughs> 
but joy, pleasure, and merriment, he has scattered broadcast. We are never safe, but we have plenty of fun and some ecstasy. It is not hard to see why. The security we crave would teach us to rest our hearts in the world and oppose an obstacle to our return to God. A few moments of happy love, or happy love, a landscape, a symphony, a merry meeting with our friends, a bathe, or football match have no such tendency. Our Father refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant ends, but will not encourage us to make them for home. Mistake them for home, right? Hey, we get some cool places we get to hang out in along the way, don't we? But it's not our home. It's with Him. And so how do we get this eternal home, this forever home? Jesus Christ. See, the only way we get it is because Jesus left His eternal home to come to us. He left the infinite riches of heaven and came down to earth and became one of us. He was mocked. We heaped guilt and shame upon him. And he took all of our sin and took it to the cross. And he died. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he rose. And he offered an invitation and says, hey, If there's anyone here that needs a place, that needs to find a home, that's restless and needs to find rest, you can find it in him. So listen to verse three again. He says, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. The relationship that you dreamed of your whole life, that you've longed for your whole life, can be found in Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for loving us and preparing a way for us to find a home. God, we get to enjoy all of these great blessings. I thank you for all the blessings that you've given us, Lord. But I thank you that that's not home. That with all the turmoil, all the strife, all the things fading away, there is an eternal one that we get to live in forever. And it's with you. And so teach us more and more of who you are while we live in this world so we can know you better in the next. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.